You're listening to the Post-Apocalyptic Media Podcast, your weekly post-apocalyptic news roundup. Hello and welcome back to the 77th episode of the Post-Apocalyptic Media Podcast. I am your host, Sean, senior editor here at postapocalyptic.com. And uh, as always, as I do every week, I bring to you the latest and greatest post-apocalyptic news. And most of it has to do with TV shows or movies, but I like to talk about games sometimes, even books, comics, you know, whatever there is out there that uh, has to do with the genre, right? So this first little bit of news is actually a pretty big one. Um, It's something that's been, uh, been on the minds of people for a long time, especially Walking Dead fans, is when are we going to see these Rick Grimes movies, right? Rick Grimes, of course, is the main character on The Walking Dead, um, and it, played by Andrew Lincoln, of course. And, uh, and he's been out of the show, spoiler alert, for a little while now, right? A couple seasons he hasn't been on the show. And from what we have been able to gather... Um, this was something that uh, they were go- they were supposed to start the movies immediately after he left the show. Well, they never did. Um, this is something that um, that they talked about uh, just recently, actually in April. Variety had a little note mentioning the Rick Grimes movies, and they said this is the, the quote from Variety. They say the films were originally meant to start production shortly after Lincoln's departure from the show, but at this time they remain in development. So, I mean, now what, right? Well, The Hollywood Reporter actually also reported in April, on April 27th of this year, and they said, they're talking about Rick Grimes, they said, the star left the series a few seasons ago with plans to top-line three feature film spinoffs set in the world of Robert Kirkman's zombie drama. There's been no movement on the Universal Pictures features in years years so i i think at this point um i kind of am okay with there not being the rick grimes movies i mean i'm a big walking dead fan right but i'm a realist walking dead fan like i I don't um think that you know the, the sun rises and sets by the the stars and by the story and everything i think it's an interesting show but if we're past we're, we're, we're past Rick Grimes at this point. This is my opinion, of course. And you, you may disagree, but whatever. Uh, I feel like we're past that. We're on to the Daryl and Carol thing now, which is actually, you know, that's kind of a sad story too because they were supposed to make a spinoff of, with Daryl and Carol and then Carol pulled out of it and uh, we, we don't know what they're going to do now. So anyway, back to Rick Grimes. Um, Norman Reedus said in an interview back in July... Almost a year ago, uh, he told comicbook.com that the the Rick Grimes movies were up in the air. Uh, What he said was, I don't think anybody knows what's going on with the movies now. I hear different answers from different groups. So I think it's kind of still up in the air what the movie thing is going to be. I think it's changed perspective a couple times. I don't think anything about it. uh, I don't know anything about it. I'm just going to leave it at that. So he's saying the same thing. He, he's kind of actually sounds like he's kind of afraid to talk about it because he doesn't want to, you know, get anyone in trouble or or make people have false hope or whatever. But uh, but this article, Stephanie wrote this article up and it, it basically 
goes along with this, you know, this fact and this idea that we probably won't see these movies. They're probably done. They've probably been scrapped, um, you know. So I don't know. I'm kind of okay with that. I think, you know, people are moving on. We have Tales of the Walking Dead, the anthology series. We have the possibly still the Daryl and Carol thing. I don't know. Maybe it's just the Daryl thing. I, I don't know what's going what's gonna to happen with that. I hope they don't replace Carol, though. That would be horrible. Uh, and then we have, like, the, the Negan and, and Maggie spinoff. So we have a lot of stuff going on, right? There's a lot of, a lot of different avenues if you're interested in, in uh, you know, following and continuing that Walking Dead story because it's going to end. This is the last, this coming up this fall is going to be the last part of the final season of The Walking Dead forever. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, I, I, I don't know. I think it's kind of telling, but it's also, uh, you know, I, I feel like if this was a couple years ago and they said they're not doing the Rick Grimes movies, people would be like, wait, what? How can you not do the Rick Grimes movies? But now they're like, eh, yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, <laughs> that's, kind of, that's kind of where I'm at, too. All right, next little, little bit of news here we have about Impact Winter. Now, Impact Winter we've talked about on this podcast a lot. Um, it's it's an audio drama. It's an Audible exclusive on Amazon's Audible platform. Um, <clears throat> and it's a... Uh, it's a post-apocalyptic story, which is a it's a very very well done story. Great cast, sound effects, all that stuff, like an old time, you know, radio drama. And it tells the story of an asteroid that hits the Earth and causes a. It's actually called an impact winter. That that situation, where you know there's a there's another ice age. Basically, it causes a a break in the the normal climate, and it just makes it winter all the time. And you know snowing and, and fallout and stuff like that. Uh, and then there's vampires. <laughs> there's vampires that come out of the ground. Uh, they're awakened. And um, so it's the vampires versus the survivors of this big asteroid, you know, phenomenon, catastrophe, um, who have been underground for a while, also surviving without, uh, you know, confronting the vampires before. It's a, it's a good story. I really enjoyed it. Um, so the fact that they're coming out with a prequel comic is pretty interesting because especially since it follows, you know, like the main character Darcy, it follows her up until, uh, it's kind of like a, I think it, it takes place a year after the asteroid hits and a lot of the underground stuff, the bunker stuff, um, up until, you know, the point where she gets ready to leave. I, I imagine, uh, because that takes place, I think it's 10 years after. Uh, when she finally leaves. So Impact Winter itself is like 10 years uh, after the, uh, you know, the, the, the asteroid hit. So this is a little bit of a prequel. Seems like a cool idea. Um, but again, it's not an audio drama. This, this is not going to be an audio drama. This prequel, it's going to be a comic. So looks good. I have some pictures in the article. Uh, one of the frames from the comic itself. And um, talks a little bit about who, you know, does the art for it. And who, who wrote it and all that good stuff. But uh, definitely check that out if you're a fan of Impact Winter. Um, also, Handmaid's Tale, Season 5. Now, who would have thought at this point that we were going to have a Season 5? Well, they did announce it, um, you know, but we just haven't had any real information about it. Well, now they're saying 
um, that uh, well, that September 14th is the day that it will be coming back on Hulu. Um, and we do know that Alexis uh, Bladel, Bladel, I guess how you pronounce that, she's not coming back as Emily. So that's some sad news. That's something we learned uh, a little while ago. But it's cool to know that you know the show itself is coming back season five. Uh, I haven't watched season four. I kind of you know lost interest in the show, but I know there. I know it has a lot of fans out there. So season five, September fourteenth. Um, Snowpiercer. Speaking of final seasons, Snowpiercer is going to have season four, which is there's no you know like definite release date for season four yet. Um, it's supposed to be next year, I believe, like early next year. But season four is going to be the last one. That's going to be it. There's n- there's not going to be any more from uh, you know Jennifer Connelly and, and David Diggs and, and and Sean Bean. So that's going to be it. And, and you know this is another one of those. It's kind of like the Rick Grimes movies where I'm okay with this. I, you know, season one and two are really really good of Snowpiercer. Season three. Uh, I haven't seen all of it. This is a this is a recurring problem here, isn't it? I haven't finished season three, so I don't know really what's going on. But I've read. Uh, Tina did reviews on every episode uh, earlier this year, and I, I did read those. I don't really mind spoilers, like you know what I mean. Like I don't if I don't watch something, I I kind of feel like the reviews are like reading the book first. You know, it's like reading. So I, I read up on it. And then when I do watch it, I'll be like, oh, that's what they're talking about. Yeah. Plus, I forget a lot of it, too. So that helps. Um, so but here's my point is I feel like Snowpiercer is is reaching an end. You know what I mean? Like you can only go so far with a, a train that uh, is perpetually running. Right. Although, you know, they have changed that in season three. And, I, you know, I won't give any, away any spoilers, but. The train is a little bit different now. Um, if you saw season two, then you know it's split apart, you know, and uh, and so it's. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like you know season four that that seems like a good time to end it, right? If they ke- if they just kept going with it, it would just be like, come on, like how how much further can you milk this thing, you know? So I'm cool with it. I'm cool with the ending at season four. But here's something interesting about this. It's not only the fact that season four will be the end of Snowpiercer, but also there's a report saying that TNT, which is the network that shows uh, Snowpiercer in America, I think in UK it's on Netflix, but they are going to stop doing uh, scripted programming altogether. So like this was kind of one of their last ones, you know what I mean? Like th- So this is like the last one that, that they're going to... Uh, once this is gone, there's also a show called Animal Kingdom. That's a scripted show on TNT. That's going to be gone, and then that's it. They're not going to do any more, uh, any more scripted programming. And this is kind of a decision that came down when once they got uh, purchased by Warner Media. You know, Warner Media bought them out, and well, I guess they, some people call it a merger, and they kind of changed some things. So I don't know what the plan is. I don't know what's going to go on you know, here with TNT, but it's, it's kind of part of the plan. I think it's good timing. Well, one report actually said, and I think this is interesting that if this would have happened, this merger would have happened a few months, months earlier. 
uh, earlier than the the announcement that there would be a season four for Snowpiercer, there probably wouldn't have been a season four of Snowpiercer. You know what I mean? Like if they would have just like finished out with this um, this merger a little bit earlier, they probably would have just said, "Nah, we'll just skip the season four thing," and that would have been sad. But that's showbiz, as they say, right? All right. Next little bit of news. This is a fun one. Mad Max Furiosa is filming right now in Australia, right? Uh, they, they're supposed. To, some people are reporting that they're filming near um, New South Wales, Australia, and some people are saying that they've been filming in Sydney. Uh, I don't know for sure, but there, there's been a. Um, well, Chris Hemsworth has said New South Wales is where they're filming. He put that on Twitter, so that's a definite. Um, but what's cool about this is we've seen now some of the backstage set photos, uh, you know, of, of the set itself. Now, these aren't official photos. You know, they're not released by the production company or anything like that. These are kind of like spy photos. I don't know if they're from a journalist or from a fan or what, but someone from very far away um, used a very bad camera. I'm... <laughs> I must say, and uh, and took some photos of the set as they're filming. So, it, you know, this stuff happens, especially on bigger shows. People get uh, really excited about it and they start taking photos. Well, what's cool about this is we get to see some, like we see a vehicle. We see what looks like a big gate, um, which is interesting to me. You know, I'm always fascinated by how movies are filmed. Um, but if you look at one of these photos, it shows this gate. And it's just the gate itself. like, And then around it are like modern cars parked. You know, I imagine it's the cruise cars and stuff like that. So the fact that they're going to use that little section with the gate, then they're probably going to, I don't know if they'll CG the rest of it. Because, you know, George Miller isn't really big on CG. But maybe they'll, you know, it's just for close-up shots, maybe. It's just that gate. Uh, but one of the cars we see in it, right at the gate itself, is uh it's it's like a 70s mercury cougar maybe even like a like a ltd like a 40 ltd but uh what really makes me think that it's a mercury cougar is last week there was a video released from mad max bible and uh they they put out this video and they kind of explained that the vehicle supervisor Lori fenn put out word that they're looking for drawings like line drawings of a 77 through 78 Mercury Cougar XRT. So that kind of, you know, I mean, it's a little thing and it's kind of a, a nerdy car thing, right? I mean, I'm a nerdy car guy. And so I get excited about this. I First of all, I love the that style, those late 70s giant, giant, you know, in mid to late 70s um, just boats, you know, that Ford and Chevy were making back then. And actually probably early 70s to, to late 70s. Um, but... This is really exciting because it's it sh it kind of connects the dots. You know what I mean? It connects the dots that that's what uh, Lori Fenn was looking for, and then here here it is. Well, that's a cool little bit, right? But to me, the most exciting part of these set photos is the fact that we see some what looks to be rock riders. Rock riders are they were in, in Fury Road. They're the guys on the dirt bikes with the the big helmets and the you know, all the stuff hanging off it. I actually made a Rock Rider costume in uh, in 2016, I think it was. I went to Dragon Con and I made a, a super, I mean, man, I put a lot of time into that thing. And uh, there's a lot of photos of it. And, 
maybe I'll put one of those up someday. But anyway, it's a, it's one of those things where I, you know, I love the Rock Riders. Like they're probably their look, their aesthetic is just incredible to me. You know what I mean? And uh, and so to see that, I mean that that's a creation of of the costume designer Jenny Bevan. Uh, I think she did a, a wonderful job with those Rock Riders. And to see the fact, you know, that possibly those Rock Riders might be in this prequel. Of course, this is, this is a prequel. Um, and, I, you know, I, I can't help but thinking of maybe, you know, what the story is there. Uh, we saw in Fury Road that, um, that Furiosa had dealings with the Rock Riders. Remember, she, she pulled up that little canyon and she said something, I forgot the exact words, about how she has the gasoline, the gasoline, right? In that little uh, tank that was behind her tanker, that little uh, pod thing. And, but the, the rock riders didn't want to bother with her because there was a, there were people following her and they were like, you've been followed, you know? And then they get mad and she takes off and start, they start shooting at each other. And, you know, um, so I, but what I feel like from that scene and from knowing that possibly the rock riders are in, this prequel that maybe she's dealt with them before you know i mean she seemed pretty comfortable with them even though they shot at each other (laughs) there's they seem pretty comfortable with each other uh to make that business transaction so there had to have been some kind of story there right well here we go maybe we'll see young rock riders (laughs) uh you know dealing with furiosa in the early days right maybe they were more friendly maybe i don't know maybe we'll see more of them we didn't see too much of them, and I would love, 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 love to see more lore from the Rock Riders. So we'll see how that goes. That's just my prediction. That's kind of my fill in the blanks thing that, uh, you know, we don't know. But Furiosa is expected to release on May 24th, 2024. So we, we have a little while to wait. We have almost two years. Yeah, that's a long time. But we waited even longer from um, Beyond Thunderdome to Fury Road, right? There was a big gap there. So it's it's kind of been like, you know, an all my life kind of thing. <laughs> so Mad Max came out in 79. I was four. This one's going to come out in 2024. I'll be 49. No, I'll be 48 in May. But wow, that's crazy. So yeah, it's, uh, it's quite a legacy. All right, let's go into this next bit of news here. Did you guys know that the, that Netflix is going to make a Squid Game like a, a a reality show, like an actual game show that's going to be Squid Game. So you can't help but wonder, like, did they see Squid Game? Like, do they know that it's not you know there's like murder and stuff on there? Like, <laughs> so uh, so Tina wrote up this great article and she called it. Does the Squid Game reality show mean that we're already living in a dystopia? I think that's a good point because to take something that's so obviously like not good, right? For lack of a better term, and then say, let's make a show about that, right? Um, And, you know, a reality show, like an actual show. Well, Squid Game, if you haven't seen it, it's a South Korean show about uh, these people. Well, I don't want to give away too much, but it's, you know, it's basically. Um, like a play till death kind of a game show, right? People die on it. Um, there's a very, very famous scene that even if you haven't seen the show, you've probably seen the scene, seen the scene. 
where um, there's a doll up at the front and there are these people set back from it and they have to run up to it. But every time the doll's head turns around, everyone has to freeze. And if they don't freeze, they get shot, right? That's that's like the most famous scene from the show. And I think it, it kind of, it's funny because it's like, well, they can't do that, right? And I think Val brought up the point, um, are they going to be using paintball guns or <laughs> or what? Uh, so yeah, so... This article is really good. It's it's uh, this is something that that Tina put together. She says it's it's funny because there's this quote in here. It says that uh, the Squid Game uh, Squid Game 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 show is unflinchingly it unflinchingly addresses a problem that is particularly entrenched in South Korea: debt and the never-ending struggle to pay it off. That's that's kind of the overarching. That's why he's on the game show. The guy's on the game show is because of debt. Um, so, you know, the, that, are are they going to work that into it? Is it going to be a thing where you can win a bunch of money and pay off your debt? I mean, sure, possibly, but at what cost, right? I don't think people are going to be shot. Um, I'm just going to lay that out there right now, but I think a lot of people will probably want to check it out just to see how, how close it'll be to the, to the show itself. So I don't know. We'll see. All right, now, the last thing I wanted to talk about, the last major topic I wanted to talk about in the show, was an, an article I wrote called The Top 30 Post-Apocalyptic and Dystopian Movies of the 70s. The 70s was a great time, right? I was born in the 70s. Um, I, you know, half of the 70s I spent growing up. And uh, I, I point this out in this article because I think it's an important uh, important note, is the people who grew up in the 50s, you know, doing the duck and cover drills and getting the scare of, uh, you know, there's always going to be a nuclear war and that Russia's always going to attack us. I mean, that was, that was in the 50s, and here we are still, you know, dealing with that. But I think a lot of those kids, they grew up in this, you know, and by the time they got to the 70s, they started making films about probably nightmare situations that they thought about as kids, right? So I point that out in this article and then I, you know, I kind of talk about, um, uh, you, know, you know, why these 70s movies were so great. Now, aside from apocalyptic movies, aside from, you know, end of the world scenarios and, and, and stories like that, we also had some pretty amazing movies in the 70s, right? Star Wars, uh, Close Encounters, Jaws, uh, lots of really, really great movies in the 70s. I mean, I guess you can say that about every decade, but I really liked the movies of the 70s. They're, they're low budget. Oh, well, low budget movies could make it big in the 70s. I think in the 80s, we got away from that. Everything was like a blockbuster, and especially the 90s and 2000s. Everything was had to be a blockbuster, right? In the 70s, people were still making movies and releasing them uh, as their first movie, you know, as their experimental movie. So I think that that was kind of the last time where we were able, we were able to do that and see that until just very recently it's it's back you know which i love anyway <laughs> so this uh i explained also in this article that my my criteria for making this top 30 was pretty much you know it has to be apocalyptic it has to be like end of the world futuristic um but it 
it also has to take place in a post-apocalyptic setting, right? And this is also dystopian. Dystopian counts for me, right? Dystopian, of course, is like, you know, the government is corrupt and it rules with an iron fist and uh, and everyone is scared of the government. And, you know, that's that kind of counts. So I, I lump those together. Um, Mad Max, you know, despite the fact that it's one of my favorite movies of all time, it's arguably not post-apocalyptic. Yeah, I said it. Someone's going to take that soundbite and uh, play it, you know, at my funeral, I guess. Uh, but uh, it's it's a dystopian movie, right? The first Mad Max is dystopian. And, and then, you know, George Miller went back later when he made part two, Road Warrior, and he kind of tacked on at the beginning this whole explanation of what happened. Like Max, you know, he went nuts. He his Since his family was killed, he went out, and that's why he's mad, and he went out and... Um, and during that time is when nuclear bombs happen, nuclear war, and you know then it's post-apocalyptic. Then he's wearing the the beat-up leather jacket and the um, well, he he had a nice shiny leather jacket in, in Mad Max, but he has a beat-up leather jacket. He has the beat-up car, the interceptor. Um, but in one, he had a nice shiny police car, right, with the horrid red and yellow and blue. Um, but anyway, uh, so I, you know, I point that out in this in this article. I say Mad Max is arguably not post-apocalyptic. Um, there are many '70s Planet of the Apes movies, right, that are post-apocalyptic. Uh, but there are some exceptions, like Escape from Planet of the Apes is not post-apocalyptic. The, the monkeys come down, <laughs> the monkey people, monkey men, come down, and they land in a spacecraft on regular modern earth in 1971 and the whole movie is about dealing with that like you know oh these space travelers from another planet are here but it has nothing to do with an apocalypse now if you want to go into like battle for the planet of the apes that that takes place on the the planet itself and it's just it's a crazy i mean it's a post-apocalyptic war movie you know it's really great um, and then you might be wondering, well, why don't you have regular Planet of the Apes in this list? Well, that came out in 68, so <laughs> not 70s. So th- there's my little, you know, my little explanation of, of different things here and there. Uh, Battlestar Galactica, again, that's another one. It's technically post-apocalyptic, right? It takes place, what, 500 years after um, the, the main characters like cryogenically frozen, he wakes up and... There's like this race of aliens he's fighting, but he's fighting them in space, right? Uh, it's a, it's a, it came out in, I believe it came out in 78. So right after Star Wars, it was kind of playing off of that, you know, the Star Wars success, which a lot of movies did in the late 70s, early 80s. But, you know, it's a, it's a space movie. So with all that said, I'm not going to go over each one of these, but there are 30 movies that I put in this list Um and what I hope to get out of this, or I hope that you get out of it, is maybe remind yourself of some great movies from the 70s that you haven't seen in a while, or uh, you know, open your eyes to some movies that you've probably never heard of, especially these ones toward the bottom here. There are some, some I mean, like Ravagers, that's my number 30. I think, I don't know, so people have probably heard that. There's uh, The People Who Own the Dark... Um, there's a great movie called Gas, and it has like three S's after it. Um, another name for it is It Became Necessary to Destroy the World in Order to Save It. That's the full name of the movie. 
Um, and speaking of experimental films, that's, that's right there. And that came out in September of 1970. So it's, it's basically still a 60s movie. that <laughs> just kind of made it into the 70s. Um, but yeah, I have a lot on this list. I'm not going to give away my number one, although you probably can guess it. Um, but there are a lot of dystopian movies on here too. You know, ones that don't have the the leather armor and the you know the beat up vehicles and the desert wasteland and stuff like that. Um, but everything is clean and shiny, and you know, a good example of that is like uh, THX 1138. The George Lucas, you know, before he made Star Wars, he made this one in 71. This is kind of like his experimental movie. Uh, it's a great dystopian movie. It's a really, really good movie, actually. Um, but it's not, you know, it's not post-apocalyptic, but it is dystopian. And so it might, I don't know. I thought about separating it and making like a dystope top, you know, dystopian movies. and then t- But some of them overlap, like Mad Max. Mad Max overlaps. I think it's, it's kind of, you know does both um i have clockwork orange on here which is straight up dystopian but i'd like to think it's also has a little bit of you know post-apocalyptic so uh yeah so check out this list see if you agree see if you think that i'm crazy for the ones i put toward the top uh i don't think i am of course I, i think i'm perfectly sane but you know everyone has their opinion everyone has their favorite movies i mean movies i grew up with affected me a lot more than you know, ones that you may have seen on, you know, DVD recently, or, you know, I mean, it's like, it's a whole different experience. So check out the list. Let me know what you think in the comments of either this article or the the podcast itself. Uh, I would love to talk more about this. You know, I could sit and talk about my favorite post-apoc movies all day long, but, uh, but I won't do that to you. Um, if you check out the site, you'll see that we actually have a lot more than just news. We have reviews. Tina's been doing um, alone uh, reviews. Uh, they're in season nine right now. Can you believe that? Alone season nine. And so she did a she did a recent episode four recap. She's done every one of them, you know, up until now. Um, she also did a, a great article called Apocalypse Movies for Kids. So if you have kids and you want to introduce them to the apocalyptic movies that you enjoy but maybe you don't want to show them clockwork orange just yet (laughs) although i watched it when i was pretty young which is not good um it's uh you know maybe you can you can check out that article and see uh you know what that's all about uh we also have attack on titan stuff there's uh, you know a lot of coverage from stephanie on attack on titan um so yeah check that out the, the reviews, and you know, there's not a lot of great shows going on right now besides Alone. Alone's a great show. Uh, so we don't have a lot of recaps and stuff, but we will. Like once Snowpiercer comes back, once uh, Walking Dead comes back, we're going to be doing the recaps and reviews uh, a whole lot more. So that'll be cool. Also, I wanted to mention really quick, uh, kind of a shameless plug here for a project. <laughs> like if you listen to this show and you like the banter between Tina and I when we get to when we're able to get together and, and record a show together, uh, we decided to actually make another new podcast. Yes, I know we it's it's crazy to think, but uh, so this one is all about the art of writing sci-fi, right? So it's like anything from from writing sci-fi movies, film, or uh, you know, TV shows, comics, things like that. It's just, it's, it's like writing advice 
for sci-fi writers. So it's it's very specific. It's very niche. Um, you know, it, it's kind of I don't know. I didn't really see any more like that. Well, here's a, here's the the kicker. Here we named it double spaced. It's the double spaced podcast, right? Um, double spaced, of course. Here's the the different layers of the meaning of that. So we have double spaced, as in uh, the you know the English grammar usage, right? We have double spaced, as in space, as in sci-fi. We have double, as in two people hosting it, right? So so it's all these different layers, and uh, you can tell I'm kind of proud of that name, right? When it came to me, I'm like, hey, I need to make a podcast about that. So it's something Tina, Tina and I do, and I'll put a link in the show notes for that, and you can check that out. If you're a writer, if you're interested in writing about sci-fi, not just post-apocalyptic, but anything, you know, anything to do with sci-fi, um, we, we are going to talk about it every, probably every two weeks. We'll probably record every two weeks or so and, and kind of see how that goes. So, yeah, again, I'll, I'll put a link to the uh, show page so you can check that out. I want to thank all of you for listening. This has been fun, as always, and uh, make sure you stay alive out there, right? And always be ready for the big one. Bye-bye.